0: You've got mail. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another edition of TechStream. If there is one mission for the course of this podcast, it is make sure that Shelley Palmer says nothing about Star Wars Andor and is <laughs> not allowed to comment until he sees all twelve episodes. Are there 12? Because I'm warning you, folks, if you if you listen to his review, he sounds deranged. Welcome, Shelly. How are
1: you? Hey, Well, thank you for that, Seth. I'm excited. <laughs> I have seen six of the 12 episodes. I oh. won't. I won't comment. I won't comment. I can't I, believe you like this show. No, I'm just like, oh, well, like, well, I, know, I know you loved it. Loved. You Loved it. It's Love. the only
0: Star Wars show I've seen twice. And you think I'm deranged? I was editing the, the review of it, and I got so motivated to see it again, and I did.
1: Unbelievable. Okay, well, we will, we will, we will get there, young man, uh, after I've had a chance to watch the other six episodes. I, I just, I won't comment until till I've seen it all. For those of you who think that my comments may be negative or that somehow I'm not a fan of Andor, I'm just going to say no comment.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Okay. no comment i'm not commenting so, you told me so i'm not right. commenting you're i have so to watch them all then there will be spoiler all. alerts and we'll when go andy
0: circus shows up in andor i want a text that says i'm sorry
1: you're right wait a second the you rule here was right. i couldn't talk about andor but you can talk about andor i saw andor well i saw six episodes of Andor. you didn't see the best six
0: episodes okay
1: all right it's world building i'll give you that but i'm it not is. commenting
0: Meanwhile, uh if you notice the artwork for TechStream is different. Uh we decided we don't want to be in it anymore. We're actually <laughs> going to take our faces and replace them with Lenza.
1: Yeah, now you can be a warrior princess like my wife. <laughs> actually for superhero. Yeah, no the superhero thing is awesome, but just the Actually my wife after I said that I had, uh, she'd used Lenza to make herself into a warrior princess. She said she preferred TBA, uh, total badass, but she would accept warrior princess as the description for the avatar that Lenza made for her. If you don't know what Lenza is, look, this is the year of AI. And while it's been around, we've had deep fakes for quite some time, and we've talked about them in the past. Uh, we, we've talked about an awful lot of things that that you can do with artificial intelligence for the creation of media and also the simulation of things that we accept and understand. But now for $49 a year and $7 for every 200 images, this little app, Lenza, will take 10 to 20 of your headshots and, or selfies and turn them into all kinds of stuff, superheroes and what have you. And it can take, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. If you use 20 photos and send, it'll send it up to the cloud and come back. And what comes back are these drawings. They they look like they're professionally drawn, professionally animated, individual pictures of you in various outfits, in various scenarios, with various expressions. It is very clearly inspired by the pictures you send you may have to do it once or twice in order to to get what you want you may want to take some really good selfies from many many different angles before you put it in there but the but better art the pictures artists are,
0: must, must hate this like actual artists must like be so angry by the by its existence
1: uh yes is the short the short answer is absolutely and I think, um, I think Seth. The most important part about this is that whether they're upset or not doesn't change anything. I look. No no, 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 no.
0: I'm I'm not saying anybody did anything wrong. What I'm saying is just the existence of it. Yes. Uh, the these guys must be sitting, you know, in their studios, going,
1: "Oh my goodness, what do I have to do now?" So interestingly, uh, back in November. Uh, right now it's early December of 2022 we're all getting ready for the holidays but just about a month ago November I'm gonna say early first first two weeks of November community deviant art which is the largest online social network for artists um and I think art enthusiasts too they announced um an AI powered text to image generator um. And the goal here was to train the Stable Diffusion AI using the artwork created by the Deviant Art community, which is, like I said, a community of a social network of artists. They got really, really, really angry and, in fact, started labeling their original artwork as uh, not authorized to be used for AI training or AI data sets because they didn't want their artwork used to train the model because the model is so good. Like it's making art to your point, it's making art. So I wrote a little article and just to tell you how, how flared up the tempers are. I wrote an article called angry artists, try to kill AI, which I just liked the alliteration of angry artists. And of course that was a little bit of a trigger and you want a you tongue know,
0: twister to say, and or as an angry artist.
1: Yeah, you know, and all I was trying to make was the John Henry argument. It's like, folks, you know, John Henry was big. John Henry was strong. The steel driving man. He couldn't beat the machine. And of course, he does beat the machine and then he drops dead. And it's, it's an old folktale. And like from the railroad days, it's and it, I was pilloried. Oh, Seth, they came at me with everything they had. They were unwilling to talk about my lived experience as valid. I Started my career as you know as a composer producer.
0: So, this is on social media,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got beaten up. I but I started as a composer producer, and my instrument when I joined Local 802, the musicians union at 12 years old, my instrument was and this is what they called it electronic music synthesizer. They weren't just called synthesizers back then, they didn't, or since they didn't know it was brand new. And the union rules when I got into the union. In 1970, at age 12, when you played on a recording session for a commercial or a movie, you had to be paid for every musician you replaced. So they'd have me play the string line, then some brass lines, then some percussion lines, then some cor- I would get a, a line on the union contract and union scale for each musician that I replaced on by using my keyboards. And this. Ultimately, I would say by the that was in the in the late 70s, um, in in, by, by the late 70s, this was rampant. But by the early 80s, they renegotiated the contract and the producers had negotiated down just double scale. And I could play as many parts as the producer would ask me to play when I was on a session. And then ultimately you just got scale, single scale, like about 10 years later, it's like, no, you're not even paying your double scale. The way we made our extra money was we had a thing called rental in cartage and we'd have a roadie, bring all our gear, all my gear to the, all guys like me though. But at that point you didn't go with one keyboard or, I mean, you went with a truckload of, of synthesizers and and keyboards. And so you'd get money to rent your gear to the producer that you're working for. But every musician was against me and everything I did, because if you're a, if you're a, a violinist and look, synthesized strings sound nothing like real strings. Seth. They sound nothing like a string section, but you're you,
0: it can't be recreated.
1: Well, it can be. And it ultimately is and was. But at the time, it was it didn't sound anything like string. I'm sorry. It sounded metaphorically like strings. It was, uh, you know, but it wasn't a violin section. It had its own sound. And it, look, when I was getting into this, it was the quote disco era and synth strings were a sound people wanted. And so we were putting orchestral string sections out of work by hiring me. You hired me, I'd come in with a keyboard, I'd play three or four passes. Every once in a while, someone would add a real violinist or real cellist or a real bass player to it, but mostly it was just synthesizer. And we put, we, I, me, guys like me, I'm gonna say we're all we, it's the guys that did what I did in the, late 70s and early 80s we were putting 20 30 people out of work every time we sat down in a recording session and as you can imagine seth this didn't make anybody really happy who played violin in new york city from call it 1976 to ever after that so the business changed and then what happened is consumers started to love the sounds of these instruments the entire genre of edm electronic dance music comes from these tools from these instruments so uh, you know and and it's used everywhere now but back then every musician saw it as a threat so here's the question you'd ask and this is a a crazy question you grew up as a clarinet player you went to college for clarinet at juilliard you're the one of the best clarinet players in the world you live in new york city you're playing clarinet for a living and one day someone comes up to you and says you know what we're not gonna be hiring any clarinet players anymore because the music clarinets used are used for pretty much out of style and to be honest, there's no use for it in modern music, but you're a really good musical person and you're a really good musician. Here's a, here's a, a computer and a piano style keyboard. Right. If, you, if you can make music on that, we'll hire you to make music. So if your job was to play clarinet, you were in serious trouble. If your job was to make music, then you adapted and made music. And I think that's what's going to happen here. And I got told my lived experience is meaningless and I don't understand that I'm an idiot. I got told all that. But at the end of the day, I watched the entire music business transform from 1970 to call it 1985 and become unrecognizable. Like when I got in the business, you needed 15, 20 players in a room with a recording engineer to create something that you could use for a television commercial, if it was going to have music or to, to, underscore a television show or a movie if it was going to have music and by the mid 80s you needed me and a recording engineer and a pile of equipment that wasn't crazy expensive to be fair it was expensive but it wasn't crazy expensive so that's a change 15 20 guys a part copyist all kinds of skills required to get all that done the logistics food time bio breaks to one guy and a bunch of machines and an engineer. So I have lived it. And that's what's happening here. If you are a fine artist who specializes in oil painting and you paint portraits of people, you already have a pretty limited audience. I don't think it's going to change your life. You have a limited audience. If you're a commercial graphic artist and your job is to go to a client and the client says to you, I need you to communicate this to an audience so that I can sell my product or, or whatever it is I'm trying to do as a the client of a graphic artist and you're not going to take advantage of these tools, you're going to be a world of hurt. It's that simple. So I think fine artists are always going to be fine artists because that's what they do. But I think if you're a commercial artist, the bell just started to ring. This this one's hard, Seth. By the way, the best work I've seen so far, and this is really important, has been um, done by artists who use this as a starting point and then enhance what the... AI is outputting. That's the stuff that's interesting, where people use their own skills on top of the AI. Will that always be the case? Probably. But at some point, the AI will catch up because it learns. If you fed it back and trained it with the with what you did to it and said, you know what? See this? I'd rather it looked like that. You do that often enough, the AI will learn because that's what AI does. It learns. It learns by reinforcement. It's called, oddly enough, reinforcement learning. <laughs> so
0: but if... But it seems like every couple of months, there's one of these new apps. And, you know, there was a story last week about Harrison Ford mm-hmm. and, you know, Harrison Ford, uh, supposedly in the new Indiana Jones, there's a flashback scene. And yeah. And what they did was they used Harrison Ford and it's you know, they, they de-aged him and they use that deep fake stuff and it, it goes in and, you know, people online are saying, oh, it's not authentic, blah, blah, blah. Did
1: it's you see totally the trailer? Authentic.
0: It it's totally authentic,
1: right? It I mean I saw the trailer, smiled, and said yes. That is precisely and exactly what this is about. We've talked about this before. James. Well, but Earl my Jones joke is I, I want
0: them to redo Solo with Harrison Ford in that. No offense to Alden Aldi, A- Eisenreich. I, I just I want to I, I I would watch Solo again if it's Harrison Ford.
1: You you would watch Andor and tell me it's the greatest thing ever. It is. <laughs> No comment. So, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we've already talked about this, right? James Earl Jones—they've sort of retired him. The aging voice. We had the first look. The the first. What I'm saying is, is every every Tom, Dick, and Harry can do. That's the point, Seth. Anyone can do it. Now, anyone can't do it at a super high level yet. Let's not be confused. There's a difference between the parlor trick of Lenza, which is what is known as low stakes AI in the world of AI you know, no, no, no pixels were hurt in the creation of this image. <laughs> right. Like, There's just nothing, you know, <laughs> wow. Seth doesn't look like Seth. Okay. What's the worst thing you say? Like, give me my 799 back. You, you, you bad people. It's like, there. this is very low stakes. It's a little different when the AI in your self-driving car doesn't work. That's high stakes. And I think you could argue that some of the other high stakes areas would be um, although not life-threatening because that's the most high stakes, but like if Google were to try to use AI in order to enhance its business and and charge money for it, they would need to demonstrate a that the value is there, and they would also obviously need to uh, protect you from the when it doesn't go right because what what's interesting about all of these tools, and it's pretty funny, it's almost binary there if you haven't used it yet, folks, go to chat gpt c-h-a-t gpt just google it and, and and get online and and use it chat gpt is um, you'll actually find it the actual url is chat c-h-a-t dot, open AI, dot com, chat.openai.com uh but the name of the tool is chat gpt sign on it's free it's a chat bot Ask it to do something. Please write me a five paragraph essay about Charlemagne. Oh, it, it's kids! Gonna- if you're listening to
0: this podcast, no, don't fast forward. Fast forward the next three minutes.
1: No, oh, homework is over. You will never be, a, <laughs> never again, ever from from last uh, the, when this opened up a couple weeks ago. Uh, never again will any teacher ever let someone write something at home ever again. Because there's no, this thing writes at a 7th, 8th grade level, but before you tell it to be cool, it writes at a 7th, 8th grade level. So Tuesday was a really important day in my life. It was actually a pivotal, profound moment that we can mark on a calendar, Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. I wrote a blog post at ShellyPalmer.com called Who Wrote It? Now, this was the first time I ever commercially used AI to do my job to replace me. And here's how it went. I said to it first to chat GPT, write 300 words about why Facebook is warning it could ban news in the US if Congress passes a bill that will require the platform to negotiate and compete with publishers for their content. And it gave me back a seventh grade style essay that was, to be fair, very wordy um and i i thought you know this is a parlor trick it's not it's just this is it's, like a lenser it is you know it's like not that big of a deal it's not that great could it do it you know in, in a better way and i i just felt like okay this is nonsense so let me not worry about it anymore and then i thought to myself you know uh, and the number one thing it did that was terrible is that it um, it violated Rule 17 of Elements of Style, Strunk and White, which is my favorite English book in the world, my book about writing. And uh, that rule is omit needless words, omit needless words, omit needless words. It just, just constantly added like seventh grade extensions to, I say this because I said this and, you know, that's why I said this. It was that kind of, you know, writing. Right, right, right. So then I thought to myself, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I know that ChatGPT has read the internet prior to 2021. Well, from around 2000 on, I've posted a blog almost every single day. I have over 19,000 blog posts. Maybe it's read some of mine. So I rewrote my query, Seth, and it went like this, write 200 words. Cause I wanted it shorter about why Facebook is blah, 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 dash in the style of Shelley Palmer. Now listen to this, and you tell me if this doesn't sound like me. This is what freaked me out, because this was my blog on Tuesday. As Facebook faces increasing pressure from lawmakers and regulators over its handling of misinformation and other controversial content, the company has warned that it could ban news altogether in the U.S. if Congress passes a bill that would require it to negotiate and compensate publishers for their content. It goes on to say, now look, that's just a restatement of what I asked it to, to do, but still, it's super tight, and it's exact, literally, exactly how I would have written it, because to be fair, it took what I wrote and rephrased it. Here's the part that killed me. The proposed Journalism Competition and Preservation Act would allow news publishers to collectively negotiate with online platforms such as Facebook and Google for compensation for their content granting them an exemption from antitrust laws in the process. Seth, I didn't tell it about the Journalism Competition and Preservation Act. It went and found that because that law was proposed and because discussed when in Congress. Because you said
0: in the style of Shelley Palmer, it researched your database?
1: It, it researched the internet prior to 2021 where this particular law was discussed in Congress. And it, it actually has read enough Shelley Palmer to write like me. And this is the, I'm going to read you the last paragraph that literally took me by surprise. Facebook argues that this bill will fundamentally change the relationship between the platform and publishers, potentially making it possible for the company to continue offering news uh, content on its platform. This warning serves as a reminder of the growing tensions between the tech industry and the news media as they navigate the shifting landscape of digital content and advertising. Seth, I had that, almost that exact last sentence was already written by me before i decided to use cheap a chat gpt to write this i'm sorry this got me 80 percent of the way there and you know i write every morning three to five hundred words this got me 80 percent of the way there all i needed to do is edit and throw some stuff on that you know uh, it didn't
0: found time
1: it wasn't um (laughs) i I sat back and contemplated how profoundly this is going to impact the way we do business, like I, now during the week, I haven't used it as much as I thought I would use it, but, but, and this is actually a little, I mean, to me, it's a little funny too. I was looking for a metaphor writing about Elon and Apple uh, Elon's little journey around uh, the Apple campus with Tim Cook last week. Right. And, you know, Elon was screaming, uh, Apple hates free speech, and you know, Apple's wants thirty percent of ours. Like he was just oh, yeah. doing an Elon on on Tim Cook, and I was looking for a metaphor because I was surprised that Elon actually went down to the Apple campus. I mean, that seemed like the mountain going to Muhammad or Muhammad going to the mountain, or whatever you know that that metaphor is. And not knowing what that metaphor is, and having used it a million times, I thought to myself, there must be a better way to say. The, you know if, if the mountain won't come to muhammad, muhammad can't go to the mountain the mountain will come to muhammad or what, what, honestly right i don't right, re- right. i don't remember what that w- was and i i didn't want to look it up and then i thought do i want to like use a i i had gpt uh chat gpt open i asked it give me a alternate phrase for muhammad can't go to the mountain and it came back with six or seven really good ones um, but the one that made me laugh was if the apple won't fall from the tree, climb the tree and pick it. And I thought, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and I used it in the blog post. I'm like, you know, I would, and it had Apple in it and I'm like writing about Apple and I'm like, you know what? I'm, this thing is like a great little assistant. So when is I, there going to be AI that can host this podcast? Oh, uh, how do you know I'm not an AI? That's the whole thing. At this, how do you actually know that I'm not an AI? That I, I, I this is nuts. Anyway, I, I, this is the year. You've got Stable Diffusion. You've got Mid Journey. You've got uh, Dall E two. There, are an amazing amount of stuff going on from from Deep and from Open AI. If you haven't used it, meaning you, Seth, and everyone listening, Tech Stream listeners. If you haven't gone out and goofed with it, I'm not, we don't have any, by the way, Seth and I have no financial interest in any of these organizations. We if anything, we, we owe them money. <laughs> probably. Uh, I'm a commercial user, meaning I, I, like everybody else, I downloaded Lenza on my iPhone and paid them the, I'm in the free trial right now. I'm not advocating that you do it. I'm not telling you to spend money. I don't make any money if you do it. But there are plenty of apps out there right now that are there to help. People do certain things. Jasper is a, another writing assistant. There are, there are many of them. And I think you owe it to yourself to try either uh, doing some art with stable diffusion or mid journey or dolly Two. Maybe you want to goof around with your avatar with a program like Lenza or Lenza itself. We're on the cusp. We're right there, Seth. Like we're on the cusp. And I think people just need to start using this and then we can have a much deeper conversation maybe in a week or so about what it takes to make this possible, because there's been a war on big tech for quite a while now. And I think it's a good war. You know, they're using data in ways that we don't necessarily know about. Demanding accountability for some of this stuff. Absolutely. But when you learn how much data is required to do this and how much computational power is required to do this, it makes you think, wait a minute, how can we have a war on big tech if we actually need big tech to get bigger? So that's gonna be an interesting conversation for us in a future tech spin.
0: This idea that you know the technology is just going to grow and grow and grow and grow, and then the practical application, I, I think that you could do a million episodes on how to use all these tools. It, it, it's fascinating. Speaking of fascinating, Andor is fascinating. Uh, <laughs> Shelly Palmer will review it next week. Absolutely. This is text.